is Toronto Today, TSN 1050 at 11 o'clock. I'm Derek Taylor. Thanks so much for being with us. Be it on TSN 1050, tsn.ca, uh, the TSN app, the iHeartRadio app. There are so many ways to listen to TSN 1050, whichever one you've chosen. Uh, we're very happy to have you. This weekend, the best of times, the worst of times. If you like Frenchmen sliding around in the water covered in gold leaf, this was the weekend for you, France, the World Cup champions. If you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, not a great weekend for you because Le'Veon Bell still does not have a contract and Adam Schefter dropping a, I don't know, are they Schefter bombs? They're Woj bombs in the NBA, Schefter bombs that... Hey, he wouldn't be surprised to see Le'Veon Bell sit out eight games this season. Man wants his money. Running backs don't get money in the NFL, but uh, Le'Veon Bell does want it. So we'll see what happens. There's a 4 p.m. deadline for him to get a big contract extension that he is chasing. The Jays will be without Kevin Pillar for four to six weeks. And all of our friends try to pronounce the word sternoclavicular. Took me about 10 tries to nail it on SportsCenter over the weekend, so I was pretty happy about sternoclavicular. SC joint, I guess, is the way to, way to go with your friends. Just a million stories to talk about. Uh, I love me some football, so we're going to shoehorn some Argos talk in here. Hopefully the boss is not listening. Keith, tell, if uh, Jeff McDonald phones, uh, just say no. Uh, I can't get to Derek right now. He's on the air talking about Dylan Wynn. Yikes. Headhunting, folks. And at some point... Just because uh, I, I watched it when I got home. I did Sports Center last night, so got home like 10 after 2. And I absolutely had to see, uh, from the movie network, Sasha Baron Cohen's new show, This Is America, which uh, if you know Sasha Baron Cohen, and you certainly do, uh, it was exactly what you thought it would be, including random appearance of pubic hair, art made with feces, and people advocating guns for four-year-olds and not just crackpots, people elected to, to uh, Congress and the Senate. So it was a great weekend all the way around. Uh, let me tell you what we have coming up on the show today. Obviously, the World Cup, they just wrapped up more than a month. 64 games in Russia wrapped up with a dynamite final. That was the final that I pray we have in 2026 when Mexico, the U.S., and Canada host the World, pardon me, the World Cup. I'll pronounce that in English because this game, I mean, the last one, one nothing Germany over Argentina. Not, not for the casual fan necessarily. one nothing Spain over the Dutch the year, in 2010. Not necessarily for the casual fan, although a guy getting speared in the chest at midfield early on in the game was, was pretty good. Uh, what was it? 1-1 to penalties the year before. Maybe not for the casual fan. But 4-2 France over Croatia. A tremendous game. Superstars on the rise. Teenagers doing things that you would never have expected. Smoke bombs going off in Zagreb because they're so happy. So much going on. Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports will join us. They do a lot of coverage of the Spanish League, the French League, so he'll have a ton to tell us. Scott Mitchell joins us at about 11.30. He will talk baseball because, hey, it's the worst week of the year for sports, so we got to talk some baseball. The All-Star Game on Tuesday. What are the Jays going to do? We were yakking about it in advance of the show. All the pieces they might like to trade. Everybody's hurt. Has there ever been lower trade value? Has there been a worse time in the last little while to be a Jays fan than right now? It's all going bad. The Pilar injury. Oh, that one is that one hurts my heart a little bit. 
Uh, Adam Graves, the former NHLer and the founder of the Smile Zone, will join us a little after noon. And Bobby McMahon, one of my personal favorites, uh, will join us in a little more World Cup talk as well. First thing from the weekend, and it was just... It was an absolute shock, as it is when anybody at the age of 35 passes away. But getting the news when it leaked out yesterday that Ray Emery may have been involved in some sort of incident in the water. And as it turns out, uh, they found him having drowned in Lake Ontario was just shocking news. And if you haven't read it, Ian Mendez has a tremendous piece uh, on TSN.ca. A guy who will forever be remembered among Senators fans, Ray Emery. Both were the amazing, the playoff run in 2007, and then what happened afterward, but gone much too soon at the age of, of 35. Uh, just a fantastic story uh, that Ian Mendez, uh, the eating the dead cockroach story is amazing. And it just, he was a different cat, right? And hockey doesn't always get guys who are, are different in that fashion. And man, when it happened, I mean, the run the Senators had in 2007, it was, it was a long time ago. The Senators have come a long way since then, I guess is one way to put it. But the Stanley Cup final on the back of Ray Emery and then all of a sudden just gone after wrist surgery is a fascinating story. Uh, and unfortunately, we get to think back on a man that was instead of a, a guy that, you know, is enjoying retired life. So Ray Emery, gone at the age of 35 over the weekend. Just an awful story. We'll talk more about that as we go. There's Kawhi Leonard news from the NBA. He's eligible for $160 zillion over 57 years. His big contract extension potentially will kick in. And yes, so much to talk about as we approach the day. So who watched the World Cup final? I'm waiting to see the numbers, but I'm, I'm suspecting, uh, I don't know, zillions of us. I know I was at a party with some friends, and there were 50 people of varying degrees watching the game or not watching the game. I was one of the people. I'm not a great party guy because I'm super interested in what's on TV all the time, and especially when it was the World Cup final because France takes the early lead. And then, oh, boy, this is, this is going to be a, a dead 73 minutes now because France is just going to run this in. Oh, my gosh, Croatia got a goal. Okay, now we got something going on. You have controversy as instant replay poisons yet another sport. It poisons the World Cup final for the first time ever. Uh, Keith, while well, well, I got you, Keith Bauer, our tremendous producer, I, I have to ask you about this because this is, a, this is a bugaboo for me. I thought replay was great when they first brought it into sports. Now I think we should just burn it all down and let the referees just handle it on the field. Where are you on instant replay across all sports? I feel like I'll go back and forth with it just like everyone else. I mean, you want you want every you want every play to be completed with the correct call, but then at the same time when it seems like it's still, you know, what what one official is seeing is different than what the other official is seeing, then I just think there's no way to actually get a concrete 100% correct call. So, um I I don't want to get rid of it because then I feel like we're just back where we were 15 years ago. We're complaining. Well, why can't we go to review for this? Are you more angry at replays uh, on the whole, like how much time they take and how sometimes they're not correct, than you were at incompetent boobery among officials 15 years ago? I'm, Which are you more angry at? I guess that determines the uh, way we should go. I think the incompetent boobery because I I know a lot of people <sighs> complain about about replay reviews taking too long. I actually don't mind that because it allows, really? me, it allows me to get up, maybe go get a drink, go to the washroom, kill a little more time on my phone. So I really don't, I don't mind that it, if it, as long as they're getting the correct call, really? I'm okay with it taking a bit of extra time. So when you're at a Jays game and all of a sudden, oh, there's, oh, the, the arms are up. 
Oh, we got to go look at first base, see if I'm, something that, happened. That, mean, that means I'm walking to the bar. That's perfect. The the guy has to lumber in from third base. Oh, is it over here? Is it, 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 Oh, the phone's over here this time? Oh, it's always in the first base? Okay, well, I'll go over to the first base dugout. They lumber over. Takes them two and a half minutes to walk 175 feet, which I don't understand. I'm, not a, I'm a fast walker, but come on. Okay, so now we're over here. I got to put on the headset. The headset didn't quite fit right. Got to turn a little bit. Boom, that, that's what I was just gonna say. What I've really enjoyed with uh, the, uh, with uh, these umpires putting on the head is it's uh, with reviews is actually the umpires putting on the headsets because they always seem to have to adjust it this way, put this earpiece on that way, twist yeah. this around, tie this up. It seems like it's uh, it's a lot harder to get the headset on than it actually has been to call the play correctly. To be fair, your perspective is tarnished by the fact you're around professional headset putter honors every day, right? Like, the folks here, like, uh, Brian Hayes, just boom, it's on. Like, boom. Yeah, Andy Petrillo, boom, it's on. Yeah, the, these headsets aren't too bad, but the ones that we use on remote, where it's actually the headset <laughs> yeah. and the mic built into it, there's uh, there, there's been some issues over the years. So, they then look at that tiny little screen and go, was he safe? Was he out? Where's the ball? Where's the foot? Blah, blah, blah. And then they recon- they confirm it. They phone somebody. They call a friend. They use their 50-50. Uh, and, and then five and a half minutes later... You will, in that time, risk death in the 500 level going down those steep stairs, which are slippery in the humidity. You're cool with that as opposed to just sitting in your seat. You're risking well, hold death on, hold on. You to say, get a replay. Hold on. You're saying that like there's actually people sitting in the 500 yeah, level true. at Jays games this season? So let's at least knock it down to the 200, <laughs> three, 200 level, which isn't quite as steep, I, not nearly as dangerous. To be, yeah, to I'm okay be, with it. To be fair, last time I was at a Jays game, they were popular and good at baseball, so I was in the 500 level. And then before that, they were still terrible at baseball pre-David Price, and I was in the all-you-can-eat section, which uh, if there's ever, just between you and me, if there is ever an all-you-can-eat section at your sporting event, you go and you do it. And even if they make you, like the Jays, they made me walk down like three flights of stairs, across a path, I, it was like a rope bridge, swinging, it was like Capilano in Vancouver. It was, you had to go a long way. I made that walk for six hot dogs, four sodas, I think I had an apple at some point, because, I, you know, health food, right, with all your nitrites. Uh, chips, everything. If you can get an all-you-can-eat, you do it. If you go to an Atlanta Falcons game where they've cut prices dramatically... You eat everything in sight. That's just the way to go. That's just the way to go. Jeremy St. Louis from BN Sports. Is he on the phone with us? Oh, my goodness. This can't be happening. Uh, just some, some backstory. Jeremy St. Louis and I, for five years, did together the old Fox Soccer Report. So when they said, hey, Derek, do some radio. And I thought, it's the day after <laughs> World Cup. I figured, I'm going to get all my buddies on the phone, and we're going to talk football. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing very well. You are in Miami, that is correct? Yes, I am. How did the World Cup go over in Miami? You know what? The World Cup in Miami was very good. It's actually one of the top markets in the United States in terms of World Cup viewership and support because Miami is... I mean, we're often, you know, I'm often told down here, Miami's not actually part of America. It's more of a Central American uh, place. But we've got, you know, we've got a high population of, of people from all over, you know, Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, uh, Peru. There's, there's so much soccer culture in Miami that it's, it's one of the great places for a World Cup. I don't want to rub it in on any of those people, but none of those countries did win the World Cup, and they all, I, I don't know, apart from Peru, did they all kind of underperform? I don't, want to, I don't want to get in trouble next time I go to Miami, but it didn't go well for South America this time. 
No, and it didn't go well for Africa either. That was one yeah. of the big surprises uh, for us is that Africa really didn't do well either. I mean, uh, when you look at, you know, the Argentinas of the world, I mean, they were hugely disappointing. I mean, nobody even knows if Argentina actually had a manager uh, for those last <laughs> few matches based on what was going on within that team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were largely disappointing. Colombia, uh, we, we were expecting more from Colombia. They didn't do too badly, but I think there, we, there was the expectation that they could do more. And then, of course, from CONCACAF, I mean, yeah. we had Mexico uh, that were hoping to get to the fifth game. They impressed in the way that they played, certainly, um, but they just couldn't make it to that elusive fifth game. If Mexico was on the other side of the draw, things would have gone a lot better, yeah? Yes, I agree with that. I, I certainly agree with that. The teams on that other side of the draw, I'm oh. not going to say that they had it easier because you can only play the teams that are put in front of you, but certainly some of those teams that were put in front of the other teams uh, were a little bit more difficult on the left-handed side of the draw. Well, yeah, I mean, you can only, like you say, you can only control what you can control, but France had to go through three teams that were higher ranked than Croatia to even get to the final. Like, France-Belgium would have been a tremendous final. We get it in the semifinal because that's how things break sometimes. When you, when you watch that final, what, what will your great takeaway be from, from France in the 2018 World Cup champions? Uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people that are criticizing the way that France played. I, this is a debate that we have a lot, and I'm sure you've had this discussion as well. I think we may have even had it when we were together at Fox. Is that what do you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer beautiful football, or do you prefer to play a brand of football that wins you games and wins you titles? And I think that what we saw in the, what we saw in the game yesterday is France. They did enough to win. They played a decent game. Croatia, one of the best playing teams at the entire tournament. So I really was, I wasn't necessarily hoping for Croatia. I thought they maybe could pull it off, but this France team can play so many different styles of game. And I think they've shown that throughout the tournament and that while they weren't necessarily overly impressive in the final, they scored four goals which is, I think, they're the first team to do it since Brazil did it back in the 70s. So uh, that's not unimpressive to score four goals in a World Cup final. But I think that I left it just feeling like, no, nah, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from France in the final, certainly in their final two games. But still, I mean, you can't complain when you're adding that star to your shirt. Well, they're a team that, I mean, we all, as soccer fans, if you're a fan of the English Premier League, you fell in love with N'Golo Kante a couple of years ago. And, and Paul Pogba, I mean... I've never, I've never understood Paul Pogba, but people tell me people could not stop talking about how great he was in this tournament, and it's it is a little lost on me as a fan. But uh, I mean, France, I don't know, I don't know how, I don't know how Croatia got two goals. To tell you the truth, well, France's defense, N'Golo Kante was struggling with a stomach bug yesterday. That's come out, and of course he was. You know, he was the guy that was that was having to take care of Luka Modric, and Modric, I thought, was outstanding through the whole tournament, a very deserving Golden Ball winner uh, at the end of it all. But uh, so he wasn't his typical self. I thought France's defense, you know, they had their moments where Croatia had the ball. Croatia pressed them in the first half, so I really thought that Croatia, you know, they they were certainly looking for something. France looked like they were on the back foot for a good portion of that of that game. Their defense, I don't think, played as well as they as well as they have, as well as they can. So I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Croatia get two goals. Granted, one of them was from a horrific uh, Lori's error, that second goal <laughs> yeah. uh, from Mandzukic. I mean, that, that was just one of the oh. horrific errors of the World Cup and to get it to come in a final. So you'd, let's say they got one and a half goals. Yeah.
If that game was three one at the moment where Loris gives the ball to Mario Loris the the keeper if you guys if you didn't see the game, just trying to essentially stick handle around a, a guy who's just giving nominal pressure, gives it right to Mario Mandzukic who pokes it into goal. If it was not four one and it was three one and that goal made it three two, oh that would have been a nightmare. Oh, that would have been a completely it would have been a completely different game because there's just that there's that mental, that psychological aspect that you just feel like, oh, no, oh, no. And France were on the back foot a little bit anyways. I think that fourth goal really kind of put them at ease a little bit. So I think that that, was a, that fourth goal was a huge, huge goal for them in terms of you know being able to just kind of relax a little bit and not panic as you get into the later stages uh, of the game. Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports joining us at 11.16 on Toronto Today. I was going through, and you know me, I, I love my numbers. I was going through, uh, this was probably a year ago. The, <laughs> you laugh knowingly. I enjoy that. Uh, I was going yeah. through the, the highest transfer fees ever paid. And this was a year ago. And I was like, who is Kylian Mbappe? And I had to click through, because this is Wikipedia, obviously. Uh, who is it? Really? He's that young? And PSG is going to pay, you know, if they consummate this deal, 145 million euros for him? That's a, I can't believe it. I've never heard of this kid. Uh, I've heard of him now. Uh, the future for, for Kylian Mbappe, who I think, as a 19-year-old, popped a lot of eyes at this World Cup. He was tremendous. And when, when Pele is tweeting about you after the World Cup final, talking about how he may have to come out of retirement because this kid is so good, I mean, that says something about the talent with this kid. I mean, we know, we've known that he's pretty good for a couple of years because on BN Sports, we have the French League. And so we've been able to see him for the last couple of years play. And, and it's been no secret to us that he's a tremendously talented young, young footballer. And for his age, he's only 19 years old. He's won the World Cup. I mean, it's incredible the level of maturity he has and the type of composure he has. We did see some petulance start to come into his game in the latter stages of the tournament, uh, particularly in the game against Belgium. I thought he got a little bit petulant near the end, showing his Neymar side, if you will. But I thought that in the, in the final, he was outstanding. He gets the, he gets the goal, the final goal of that fourth goal for France and I mean, what a great young kid. And now that Cristiano Ronaldo has moved from Real Madrid to Juventus, the going notion is that Real Madrid are going to try to get Kylian Mbappe from PSG. They're talking about Neymar or Kylian Mbappe. If you're looking at pure potential, Mbappe is six, seven years younger than Neymar. Mbappe is the guy that you're going to want to go after. And to see him at Real Madrid would be absolutely unbelievable. And he's great at PSG, but he's in the shadow of Neymar at PSG. For him to come to a team like Real Madrid and kind of become the face of that team would certainly put him in the Ballon d'Or conversation in years to come with that level of talent. You really wonder how it puts a lot of pressure on us as journalists, right? How are we going to tear this kid down for the next decade? Because we can't say, well, he's never won a World Cup. He's done it at 19, and he was really good. How are we ever going to take shots at him for the rest of his life? This is, this is hard on us, brother. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we, we take shots at Messi. We take shots at Ronaldo. We take shots at Neymar yep. because that's something that the three of those players have never won. I mean, in a, from a pure world title standpoint, Kylian Mbappe is already better than those three players who are arguably three of the greatest players to ever kick a ball in world football. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, you can kind of, he's near the bottom of that list because at least he's won a major title in terms of winning the Euros. Uh, Brazil did win an Olympic gold medal with Neymar. So, I mean, really, Messi is the only guy on that list that has 
that doesn't have a major title despite getting to three major competition finals. And then here's Kylian Mbappe. Like you said, it's going to be tough to tear this kid down. He's going to have to do it to himself, really, when you think about it. He will have to be his own worst enemy because in terms of what he's been able to do at his young age and the gifts that he has and how he can tell he will continue to evolve, yeah, it's going to be very hard to treat this kid in a negative light. He's going to have to do some Mario Bellatelli-level stuff. It'll be amazing to see how that plays out. Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports. Uh, Messi, I mean, in the 2014 World Cup, was unbelievable. They lose the final to Germany. Somehow that's not enough for folks. Uh, of, of Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, tell me how you think those guys did in this tournament, because they were the three big stars leading into it, and Brazil gets the furthest to the quarterfinals, but they all go out probably earlier well, maybe Argentina deserved to be out in the 16, but they all earlier than they all wanted. What did you think of the three world superstars at this tournament? Messi, Messi had one of the best goals I've ever seen at a World Cup. Uh, when he took that ball down off his thigh, caressed it off of his shin before it even hit the ground. I mean, it, that was an unbelievable level of skill. And it, when you see it in slow motion, it's something. But then when you see it in real time, it's an absolute piece of magnificence from Lionel Messi. But that is the one shining moment for Messi in this tournament. I thought he was largely disappointing. Argentina were massively disappointing. For Ronaldo, I thought that he played, he had a good tournament. I mean, Portugal's a, you know, a decent team. I don't think that anybody was expecting Portugal to win the World Cup. I thought Ronaldo did what was expected of him in terms of how he played for Portugal. And Neymar, I mean, all you need to do is, is go into the Google machine and put in hashtag Neymar challenge. And you'll see a summary of what Neymar's tournament was like because Those that's going to be the lasting around. memory. That's the lasting memory from Neymar for this tournament. I mean, in 2014, he got hurt. He had that horrific back injury. And so we, there were questions about whether or not he would play. Doctors said he was within an inch of not being able to play ever again. And at this tournament, all he did was roll around and, you know, like just the, the simulation and the diving. And you know what? Everybody's getting so sick of it. Uh, we want more from Neymar than that. And for me, I mean, if you had to rank them in terms of best to worst, Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar. Oh, I hate watching Neymar so much. I hate it so much, brother. I, he, no, yeah, he, he's so he, talented. He, he, he is so talented, and you see flashes of that talent with PSG in, uh, in, in the French League. And then he goes up against, you know, the world's best players, and it's like he, th- there's no answer for him other than to fall down or roll around or he gets, I mean, he was the most fouled player and I get it. You're going to get guys that are going to try to kick you out of the game. But at the same time, great players, you don't see Messi acting like that. You you see it from Ronaldo from time to time, but Neymar just takes it to a new level. And I really think that either the evolution of VAR is going to help to remove that from his game because they're actually going to start penalizing him for simulation or somebody's going to finally just say, take him aside and say, look, you got to get this out because you're, you're ruining your legacy as a great player. I don't know if you saw uh, Alfonso Davies' goal for the Vancouver Whitecaps on Saturday. Uh, it, it's on tsn.ca, the highlight certainly will be. Uh, 17-year-old kid, three times he could have gone down. He stuck with it, ended up scoring what's going to be the goal of the MLS season. Sometimes you just stay on your feet and you can pull off some, some magical stuff. This is where I put you on the spot, Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports. I'm looking ahead to 2022 already. I've got my tickets for Qatar. I've got my personal air conditioner. What going forward? France is the youngest team since Brazil in 1970 to win it. 
Who do you, who do you uh, is going to be the team to watch come 2022? Because England took a huge step forward. Brazil is always Brazil. Belgium finally did what we've been waiting Belgium to do for four years. Who is the team to watch for 2022 in your mind? Oh, well, you know, it's so tough because you have tradition, right? The World Cup winner will go out in the first round or in the, you know, in the, in the group stage of the World Cup. So you could say France is a favorite, but then based on history, you don't necessarily think that they could be a favorite. I think, but for me, I mean, I don't disagree. France are a favorite. They're going to be the favorite for the Euros coming up in two years. They've got such a young team. Their average age is, is 25 years old. I think second youngest team at the tournament. So for me, they're a favorite. I think England are going to be a favorite. Yeah. We're finally seeing England come around, and they've got a good young team and a great young manager in Gareth Southgate. I'm really, I'm really glad that they brought in Gareth Southgate, and he's really done a job with this England team. And oh, they were so close. And I really think England's going to be a team to watch. I think Germany will be back. I mean, they had a horrific World Cup, but the German Federation did not panic. They didn't fire Yogi Love, as other federations probably would have. It's the first time Germany's finished in the bottom of their group in the history of the World Cup for them, so it's a horrific tournament, but they didn't panic. They're going to stick with Yogi Love, so I think Germany will be there. And, I mean, that for me, those are the three big teams, France, England, and Germany. Croatia are old. Argentina are old. Spain are old. And there's really, you don't really see a lot in the pipeline for those teams moving forward. So I wouldn't put any of those three teams as favorites heading towards 2022. Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Jer St. Louis, J-E-R-S-T-L-O-U-I-S. Thanks, brother. I appreciate your time. No problem, buddy. Good talking to you. All right, take care. I have to not go to a Miami Dolphins game with him, with him this year as the Dolphins are, look like they're going to be terrible once again. Jeremy St. Louis of BN Sports joining us on Toronto today. It is 11.25. We'll take a break. Scott Mitchell on the other side to talk about the Blue Jays and the All-Star break. And is this right? Is this is Sound Wars coming up a little later this hour? I am super excited about Sound Wars coming up on TSN 1050. Eleven thirty on Toronto today. TSN ten fifty. TSN ten fifty. dot ca. Update from Russia: The pitch invaders at the World Cup. Uh, they're almost certainly dead. Come on, come on. You invade the pitch during Putin's World Cup. That is not the sharpest move. It was a rainstorm. There was one umbrella in the whole country. Who had it? Putin. Don't don't mess with Putin, men. You run a kleptocracy. You, you don't don't mess with Putin and don't run on the field during his World Cup. TSN 1050 Blue Jays reporter Scott Mitchell joins us on the line. Uh, Scott, have you been to Russia ever? I have not. It's not on the bucket list. If you were in Russia, would you do anything even remotely out of line? Yes, because I'm slightly insane and I don't really have, don't really make the smartest decisions. So Wow. You, so the, the, the thought of a gulag does not in any way trouble you. This, that's, <laughs> you're a dangerous man. I like that. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but... Yeah, I would. I would definitely find myself in in some shenanigans. I don't know that it'd be on a soccer pitch. That that would be uh, probably probably not my first choice. You might find yourself with some cesium laced into your coffee, and you never know. I mean, hey, I I went to Moscow, and then my life changed. Hey, uh, Marcus <laughs> Stroman is an interesting character. Yes, that was a nice segue <laughs> there. I like that. I so doing Sports Center last night, and the Marcus Stroman story breaks out. Uh, the Toronto Sun saying that Marcus Stroman uh, kind of went off. He was uh, well. I don't. I don't want to steal the whole story, but the the story from the Sun was that he said we're terrible. 
which, I mean, accurate. I don't know if you should say it, but accurate. What do we know about what actually happened in the locker room with Stroman? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing you can argue with is is the accuracy of that statement. And, I mean, full disclosure, first of all, I I was not there last night. So, um, you know, great accounts from from Steve Buffery of the Toronto Sun and and Keegan Matheson of uh, Baseball Toronto. They were both both there and uh, I chatted with with Keegan just about exactly what happened and um, Arash is uh, Arash Madani as well and you know you look at, at you know the you know it, I guess first of all Stroman is a fiery guy we all know this and you know after games especially a loss especially in one, ones that he pitches because that's really the only time he, he speaks to the media at this point but when you when you look at, at an innocuous question um, setting him off that isn't a surprise and and him going to um, you know, saying that, that this team isn't isn't good is is not a surprise either. So when you look at the whole situation, really, um, you know, I'm not surprised by any of it. And I, I think this shows just exactly where this Blue Jays club is, you know, as a team uh, from a mental standpoint. And you know, I think the frustration has caught up with them. And you know, had Stroman not been on the DL for for six weeks, um, you know, I, I fully expect this would have happened, uh, you know, a heck of a lot sooner because. You know that that's how he is. I mean, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Some people hate it. Some people um, love it. You know, some people think he just needs to find a, a little bit of a different time and place for some of these things. But um, you know, you can't argue with uh, with what he said at this point. And you know, you get a real sense of where this team is at heading into the All Star break. Well, apparently, he was asked according to the story. He was asked about his time in single A ball in Vancouver. We were discussing it last night, and I mean, the the thought among amongst our producers was, well, if he did more than talk on game day, he he would get these questions at a different time. But what seems inappropriate after you just lost a game, it's the only time they have to ask you. Is that is that the way it goes with him? Well, yeah, exactly. That that's the thing. It's such a balancing act, and and you know. There has to be respect on on both sides of the ledger when you're in situations like this. Because, yeah, you, as a professional journalist, you don't have many opportunities to speak to Marcus Stroman. And if you're working on a feature that, you know, is due in a week, due in two weeks, especially with the timing of the All-Star break right now, which obviously played a role in this, um, you know, you have questions that, you know, maybe aren't pertaining to the game, maybe are more of, you know, an outside-the-box question for a feature or something like that. Um, you know, as a professional journalist, you have to get those clips, get those quotes, uh, and you only have a, a limited uh, window to do that. And, and, you know, what you do is you wait until the, the game questions are over, and then you say, hey, you know, Marcus, I know this is, uh, you know, kind of, you know, not on, on topic today, but, uh, you know, we're just wondering about your time uh, when you were with the Vancouver Canadians. And, um, you know, that's a respect level that the, the journalist has to have for the player who's coming off, uh, you know, a game and in, in, in a heated moment and, you know, uh, has a tendency to be emotional. But there has to be that respect on the other side where the player understands that this is a person ha- that has a job to do, that has superiors that he has to answer to. And is just trying to get, um, you know, a very simple quote about his time, uh, you know, five, six years ago in Vancouver coming up through the system. So, um, you know, you just need to be able to answer that. And, you know, when the cameras were on, uh, Marcus did that. When the cameras were off, he had another, um, you know, 
feeling about that question and, and wasn't too happy with it. So, I mean, I, I think what you just need to realize is the environment in which this question was asked. And, you know, I think uh, I think Mark just needs to, to maybe just realize that, there, you know, everyone has a job to do and everything may not be, um, you know, as sequential as he would like it. Well, and it's not like it was one of those questions that we hear about from the NFL Combine interviews about, hey, did your... And did your parents resort to criminal activity to fund you playing? For, like, just it wasn't anything, in even remotely controversial. And I, I don't know where where everybody's at with with Strowman, but I've been uh, this his act has worn thin for me a couple of years ago. And yeah, I don't I don't entirely know what to make of him uh, anymore. Scott Mitchell, our TSN 1050 Jays reporter, did you before before yesterday? How familiar were you with the sternoclavicular joint? Hey, coming from a football background, I, I know SC sprains better than anybody. So I, it, it was it was kind of funny to to see that injury crop up because I had, had some familiarity with it and I knew exactly kind of where it was and, and things like that. I mean, you, you cover a sport like football, you see a whole lot of those. And even Nikki Huffman, the the Blue Jays trainer, uh, yesterday said that uh, you know that's a very common injury in football and and car accidents as well. So um, you know, very. Um, I, I guess probably scary for for Kevin Pillar the way it, it kind of turned out and you know the way it, it could have turned out with uh, you know that uh, that that injury being you know just one different kind of push uh, back instead of forward um, away from being you know something a whole lot more serious so. You know, he kind of, uh, I guess, dodged a little bullet there, but four to six weeks, he's going to be on the shelf for sure. Are you surprised it hadn't, like, this doesn't happen to him more often? Because he throws his body around like nobody else I can think. Maybe Kiermaier in Tampa, but he is not afraid to throw his body around. Oh, love it. 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I'm surprised he hasn't spent more time on the DL. And, you know, that's uh, that's just a testament to, to his body and a little bit of luck. I mean, you mentioned Kiermaier, and he does the same thing. And, you know, he's spent a, an extended stint on the DL in just about every season. So, uh, yeah, I think Pilar has been lucky up to this point. And, you know, you play with that kind of reckless abandon, it's going to catch up with you. And, um, you know, not good timing, because at this point, uh, Kevin Pilar is playing for a job next year. And, you know, everyone on this roster right now, the front office is in uh, full-on evaluation mode. And especially when you look at a couple of the guys like Pilar and Devin Travis, guys who have had extended playing time and haven't really shown, um, you know, the uh, the progress and improvement that you'd like to see over the last couple of years. So, you know, kind of tough timing for him because now Randall Gritchick's going to get a chance to run with that center field job for a little while. All-Star Game is tomorrow. July 31st is also this month, and we start to think about the trade deadline, and we start to think about how the Jays and any asset they might want to be dealing is either injured or not playing particularly well right now. Uh, this, This seems like unfortunate if you're the club. I mean, Pilar injured, Donaldson injured, Happ has lost three consecutive starts. Uh, what are they going to be able? Are are there, Let me just ask you this way: Are their trade values have they actually been affected? Well, the injuries, yeah. I mean, long term trade value, no. But in short term, um, you know, you're going to have trouble 
trading guys who aren't on the field and, and no contender that is looking to improve their team is going to take, you know, the chance on any sort of uncertain, uh, you know, injury uh, aspect getting involved in, in any sort of trade. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to move on to other options if guys are hurt. And, you know, the Blue Jays uh, have been, I mean, calling them unlucky at this point is just, uh, you know, a bit of an understatement because, yeah, you look at Josh Donaldson, you look at, Marco Estrada, you look at Roberto Osuna, you look at uh, Ryan Tapera, those probably would have been um, four of your more valuable trade ships. Some of them are controllable, some of them are expiring contracts, so that is a little bit of a different situation of, in terms of the immediacy and the, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the, the the panic button hitting to, to kind of move those guys, but um, you know, Osuna and Tapera, had they been, um, you know, healthy and, and not had their uh, obvious legal troubles in, in Osuna's situation, uh, you know, these guys are the type of controllable relievers that, that bring a, a huge haul. And uh, obviously Tapera got back on a mound this weekend, so that's a good sign for him. Sounds like Estrada is going to be ready to go in, in the uh, fourth game after the All-Star break, so that's a good sign. Donaldson, though, he's still kind of just working, slogging through the, the calf issue in, in Dunedin. So, um, you know, the front office, Ross Atkins, they're up against it right now. And, you know, they're going to have teams calling and, uh, you know, not offering <clears throat> full market value. And they're going to have to get creative and they're going to have to weigh um, some of these names and whether it's worth moving them right now for 50 cents on the dollar or if it's worth waiting in, until the offseason in some cases. Scott Mitchell, got to have you back later in the week because we have to talk about Roberto Asuna. I'm only here for a week, and I, 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 I can't imagine the Jays can really bring him back. But we, we unfortunately, no time for that right now. But we're going to talk about that because that is a whole quagmire, if you will, about what to do with Roberto Asuna. Scott Mitchell, our TSN 1050 Jays reporter. Thank you, my man. All right, man. Take care. Very much appreciated, Scott Mitchell, joining us. And uh, we were talking about Jay Happ just over the over the weekend, and three losses in a row. And what does that do for for his trade value? And you look at it and go, well, he won six and had two no decisions in his previous eight. So if that didn't send it through the roof, does three losses really send it through the floor? I mean, he is probably looking forward to being part of a, a contender this offseason as we now, or pardon me, th- later this season, 15 days till the trade deadline. We'll see what the Jays can do and see who the Jays can have back healthy in that time. I-, I just can't believe these words in front of my face. Is this real? Keith Bauer, is this in fact real? You're on the phone, so I can't uh, bring you in on this. And I will tell you it is real. Sound Wars is up. I am looking forward to hearing all sorts of great stuff. JV's threes in contention. Sound Wars coming up after this. It's Trial Today. I'm Derek Taylor on TSN 1050. 1148 Trial Today on TSN 1050. I'm Derek Taylor. Thanks so much for being with us. Over the last 365 days, I've cranked out the math. We've said on the air here, 4.75 million words. Some of them were amazing. Some of them were, came out of my mouth, so they were not very good or insightful or you know, particularly interesting. What we've done is we've, we've gotten rid of those last ones. We, we just moved them out of the way, and we have picked the best of the best for, for a little competition we call Sound Wars. You, we have what the Jerry's percentages bracket. We have the, the Kessel bracket. We've got brackets all over the place. We want you to pick what was the best sound clip on TSN 1050 over the past year. We have right now a Sound Wars battle. This is the Oh My Goodness Conference 
the top seed in the Oh My Goodness Conference, hopefully not the Virginia of the OMG Conference, is JV's threes. Valentunas catches in JV's threes. It is that time of year, Jack. It's April. You gotta pay them. Pay the tax man. All right. Matt and Jack killing it with the number one seed, JV's threes in the Oh My Goodness Conference. Let's hear number eight. The one versus eight matchup. This is Holtby Stick Save. Theodore dumps it in. Puck game right in front. Now, I was inclined to go with Holtby when I was thinking about these clips because they paint a really good picture. But, man, you can just picture Jonas Valanciunas doing a little dance after drilling that three. Which one do you like better? TSN1050.ca. Click on Sound Wars and vote for your favorite. Is it JV's threes? Is it Holtby's stick save in the one versus eight matchup? Voting for this Sound War will close at 3 p.m. And then listen to Overdrive later today for the results and the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Oh, that was solid. I like that. Can you hit that again? Just one more time. Oh. If I could have that for when I walk in the studio at 1055 tomorrow, that would be amazing. Amazing. Adam Graves, former uh, NHL, longtime New York Ranger, has got a tremendous charity that he is a uh, a part of and a founder of. We're going to talk about that after after noon. So in the 12 o'clock hour, we have a couple of minutes here in which we should talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, Keith Bauer, the producer, if you would join me on the air. And, Hello. And don't use... I'm not trying to seduce you with this voice. I Sounded like you were. I don't know. The, the mood changed pretty quickly back here. Yeah, I just go into this sometimes and I don't know why. Uh Who's going to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Literally, it's the offseason. Uh, it's one of those questions about the Leafs. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why they don't have a captain. I don't know when they're going to have one. Is it time to get a captain? We've been talking about this. They were talking about it on Landsberg in the morning, I'm told. Yeah, it, it, may, it may have been brought up once or twice uh, <laughs> during Adam Gray's golf tournament today at Rattlesnake Point. There's you know tons of NHLers there, and obviously us being a Toronto radio station, there was always going to be the John Tavares conversation. So yeah. I feel like whether it was Peter DeBoer, Derek McKenzie, uh, Sean Monaghan, Josh Bailey, of course, uh, current New York Islander, former teammate of John Tavares, there were several questions uh, yeah. regarding, obviously, JT coming here, whether he should be the captain or not. Um, so it's well, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a hot topic. What about Josh Bailey, the new- New York Islanders. What, why don't we hear what he had to say, and we, we shall react. Been around long enough. That's uh, had some really good friends that I've played with for a number of years that have uh, went on the similar paths where they've moved on to different teams. And it's always tough. You get used to seeing guys on a daily basis. And uh, thankfully, with with John, uh, we live close to one another in the summer, so I think we'll always still be still be able to see each other and be good friends. But it's tough when you have guys that live on the West Coast, and it's uh, you know it's tough to really stay connected. And see, what happened there was, I think what Josh Bailey is trying to say is that was terrible hosting on my part because he's talking about losing John Tavares to another, to another team. Uh, as to who should be the captain, Derek McKenzie would know something about that. The captain of the Florida Panthers, what, what does he think? John Tavares, good choice? Uh, you know, the reality of it is there's, it changes things, and, and there's, 
different things that you got to deal with. There's days when personally things aren't going well, and uh, you've got to put that aside and do what's best for the team. Uh, listen, Johnny's been doing it for a while. I think uh, you know Austin's going to be in the league for a long time. I think you know somewhere down the road there'll probably be a great opportunity for him. Um, you know, I've seen what he did in uh, in the island, and I've talked to some of the coaches. I now have Jack Capuano as one of my assistant coaches, and they all love him. So, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, he seems like an obvious pick to me. Keith Tavares is going to be here a long time. If Austin Matthews leaves the team, then someone's done something terribly, terribly wrong. What do you do? What do you do with the captaincy? Do you leave it blank? Or, or do you do you just name somebody? As far as I'm concerned, I think you just leave it blank. I feel like who's really? ca- I feel like who's captain. It's a very unnecessary. I, I guess o- o- overrated is probably the best best way to put it. It's an overrated just title. I, I just I, I don't see a need for it. I, I think it's more important in house league and when kids are growing up. But these are all grown men. They're all professional athletes. I just I, I think they all. I don't think it should matter who's wearing the C on your shoulder. Do you do it? On your chest? Yeah. Do you do it from the perspective of people will finally stop asking us about this? Would you do it for that, or is that too little a reason for an actual organization to do it? Nah, too little of a reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just give it to Austin. Just just flip a coin. They can thumb wrestle. They can leg wrestle. Whatever you might be, give it to somebody. Just do it because, yeah, we got stuff to talk about here on the on the radio. TSN 1050, it's Toronto Today. I'm Derek Taylor. Other side of this break, Adam Graves, the former NHLer and the founder of Smile Zone, will join us. We'll talk to him, perhaps about captaincy. He shared a city with John Tavares for many years. He is in charge of prospects. Who's hot to come up next season in the NHL? That's all coming up on Toronto Today.